I'm glad you're sitting next to me, Kerry, that I don't have to yell and try to get you here into the studio where we are right now. Uh, good. You, should I always just stay here the entire time? Stay here with me, man. Stay uh, here with me. Uh, how is everything, man? Tell me. Good. Good. Uh, it's a nice day. Beautiful day. Spring has started. Yeah? Yeah? And it's very warm out. Good, man. Good. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that. My good friend, Aida, she's actually in Atlanta and visiting. Yes. And uh, Lovely girl. Really nice. Really yes. nice. And we've been friends for a long time. And it's one of those friendships that you have really good connection with. Mm-hmm. And she's actually my ex-girlfriend. Uh, but there is no really problem in that she's here staying with us. Because... Uh, friendship that we have is true and it's really nice to have it and we we actually had a good day yesterday didn't yeah, we we did we had a nice day sitting on your porch for like the first half of the day yeah some wonderful conversations i really enjoyed it and then we went out ate dinner listened dinner. to some good music some good pizza some beverages with it yeah and after that we went and listened to some live music that was great absolutely yeah it's beautiful man it was really beautiful we had two games this weekend. Yes. Girls. All girls. The 10 girls we coached. Yes. And uh, they did well. I'm proud of them. Yeah. Especially, we mentioned in another episode, once they lost uh, in the tournament, Yeah. the team that eliminated them, a tough team, really difficult team, played them again. Again. And again, again it was a really tough game, yeah. wasn't it? And they all remember that game. Yeah. How hard or sad they felt after the, the fact that we couldn't make it to the final. And this time it was a bit of revenge, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know that's what you tried to spin it as, and I think it's. I think that's good. It was again a tough game. Yeah, but they pulled through. I was really pleased with how they played their performance. Real uh, proud of them. Technically, they did good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of passes and understanding the movement, not to just run to the ball. I think we're doing a good job, and it feels good that we can see that on the games you know not yeah. only the practices but also in the games yeah uh, and then we had another game right afterwards yes we did uh we can say that team. we can say that uh we won three to one yeah we did good solid result it was um but we had another game yes right afterwards with the other team and in this game there was uh we were missing a couple strong players yeah. Like they yeah, weren't we were. able to attend for various reasons yes we had one girl from the first team coming down and uh, what we kind of wanted for her, it was to play in a different position, yeah. uh, see the field in a different way, and challenge herself in a new place or area in the field. Yeah, and she's a solid, strong player too. So she gave this team that was missing a couple yeah. of their players already uh, some well-needed reinforcements. She surprised us in an interesting way, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it happened. I remember at the same. we looked at each other at the same yeah. time as it happened, seeing her take on this leadership role and, you know, uh, helping other people realize where they should be with their spacing or when to move up and when to move down. And we looked at each other. Yeah, we did. Right? Remember? We did. And we did. <laughs> see how she's, uh, how, she, how she's pointing around, yeah. directing everyone else where to go. It's really nice. It's really nice to see. She was talking to the other players in the team. She was pointing. That's your position. When this happens, do that. Uh, she was pushing one girl. No, no, you you have to be a striker. Go higher yeah, up. Right. And uh, she definitely took a control of that leadership yeah. in that team. Yeah. And you could see really how the entire team you know, inspired sounds like a cliche. They were not like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. But they felt a bit more secure yeah. in the play. They felt a bit more confidence in the other players 
just by her leadership on that field. Yeah, that's what a, a good leader does, right? Right. And brings out brings that out of their players around them, their teammates. I think you do that. Yeah? Yeah? You know, feel like, yeah, you yeah, do. I do. Yes. What you, you do. mean though? What, what do you mean? Like um I mean, every time we've played together, I mean, you you help organize the team we play on Tuesdays, for example. Right, I do. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell I think everyone in our team is has a little bit of leadership qualities mm-hmm. to them. But even so, even despite being a team full of strong players, good characters, people still tend to look at you, right? Yeah. For, you know, lineup positions and exactly how to play and how you're always talking and how you are on the field once you play, let alone off of the field. So Yeah, yeah. I think I do it because I feel like I have a bit more playing experience than some of the players mm. and uh, maybe a bit more competitive background. So I try to really set that bar relatively high. Mm. Still keep it fun, but still demand a bit more from teammates. I do it by talking a lot, pushing a lot, and giving compliments and being positive. But I also, with the heat in the game, can sometimes be mad and upset too. If we don't perform well enough, I can definitely raise my voice yeah. and kind of show it. And we had this one keeper at Adelsberg. His name is Henrik Askeblom. And he was talking the entire game from the back, directing the defenders, even the midfielders. He was talking constantly. And he was a, such a great leader, but he was not our captain. But if we didn't play good in the halftime, he could point out someone. Hey, he'd be one of the first people to he know, was, bring it he up. Was. Like, you know. We had a couple of players like that in that team, which was great and pushed ourselves to not go down or still believe that you know we can come back still in the game. Mm. So it was great. So it was great to have his support, but also. Like Anders Berg that we talked last week, he was also one of those players that entire time could push and motivate and mm. try to get the best out of you in one way. It's like they are a uh, coaches on like you know on field version of the coach, right? Right. It's like they're another version of the coach, and that's what a real coach looks for, and that's what a sort of coach does. A good coach does. Yeah. Off the field, like during practices, and you know even during the games uh, from the sidelines. And it's really nice once you have a coach and like a captain or some sort of leader, even yeah. not official captain, whoever, that just works so well together, right? And so in sync together, right? That the coach knows knows what they should do, mm-hmm. and feels confident that the captain or whoever leader they can trust, right, uh, will you know get their message across. He's a manager, right? He's a manager that manager, yeah. try to combine a team that will reach a goal. And if the players have enough trust and belief in the coach, and the coach motivates them, inspires them, challenges them by his decisions, you have really healthy team. It's glad to be back again with you guys. Welcome to Oscotch and King Soccer Podcast Show! Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start They tell me I'm too young to understand They say I'm caught up in a dream Well life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes So that's fine
This weekend. This weekend. Oz, once again, we went to see Atlanta United play the yep. second home game. Yep. And what did you think of the whole experience? I loved it. What did you think? I thought it was great, man. Yeah, following yeah. up from the first game. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, they lost the first game. They won the second game, and it's another home game. It was, you know, it was beautiful weather. Mm. Still, uh, a lot of people, right? Yeah, It's, yeah. it's almost full and sold out event again. Yeah. And people was, wanted to keep that that good vibes, that good atmosphere yeah, from the first game going. Yeah. Ex- I was real happy. Everybody was excited. It was like bubbling atmosphere. Once again, people stood the entire they time. They did. Everybody. They did. Everybody. And this time, the clap or the Viking chant went yeah, really yeah. good too. So it was beautiful, man. We came and, uh, you know, early in the game, there was a red card. Yeah. Atlanta had one man up the entire game almost. Pretty much, yeah, for like 80 minutes or so. 80 minutes. So you could see that they had more ball possession and then had... In fact, sorry, about the ball possession, I uh, read afterwards that Atlanta was, the during this game, the first team in MLS history to have uh, at least 80% ball possession throughout the game. Really? Really? I mean, still one man up, but you could see the technically how they want to play. Yeah. They had a corner, they did a short corner and then pass it back to kind of the defenders and kind of started build it up. That's a, something that Barcelona is doing, Spain mm-hmm. is doing a lot. Yeah. I mean, Tata Martino, the coach, coached at Barcelona. He did. Uh, coached at Argentina, right? Another team that does, yeah. does that often. And uh, so it's obvious you're saying that his effect yeah. is is on is in Atlanta United right now. And Martinez stepped up again, showed his qualities. Yeah. Two, two more goals. Two yeah. more goals. Two beautiful goals. How did he put that one? Oh uh, man, the, the, angle. the second one. Yeah, yeah. No angle for that. No yeah. angle. Just round the keeper. I thought he. I thought his touch was gonna be a bit too far. Yeah. So it was about to go out for a goal kick, but he just. Just got to that and put it from, like you said, no angle into the into an open net. And then he just stood there looking at the audience, <laughs> cocky. I know. He can be, man. He deserves it. He deserves it. <laughs> 4-0 to Atlanta against Chicago Fire. We still haven't seen really what they can do against an equal opponent. Yeah. Um, but mean, they played in New York, which is one of the top teams in the yes. league, and they lost. That they was lost. The first, but I'm willing to give that a pass since it's the first game, right? Exactly. Um. But, you know, expansion side, they're going to have some jinx along the way, whereas New York is an established side, established quality team. But then, like you said, Minnesota, which tough conditions. Right. They're having a poor season so far. And, uh, sorry, Chicago, who are man down the entire game. True. It looks bright. It looks really bright. Yeah. I think the best part was when they scored and we felt like they're going for win and when the final whistle came we were like screaming and really like happy that we got this win Mm. but i want to straight take you to what happened earlier that day and get into that topic because it was the really the opposite for us wasn't it arsenal away against west brom oh man why do we have to talk do we have to talk about we have to to? i think i feel like you know we been covering arsenal pretty good yeah yeah i mean but i mean I'm afraid of being too Arsenal or something, but maybe not. But it's such a strange, unique situation right, right now. now. It's it's making world headlines. I mean, Arsenal and Arsene Wenger out. There's two planes you saw. This just this completely shows the strange nature of this situation where 
before the game started, I can't remember which was first, but one plane went okay. over say, with a big banner flying behind it that said, you know, pretty much Venger out, really? essentially. But then right afterwards, another plane <laughs> came by with a banner that said Venger in. Oh, so, man. <laughs> just, this is such a strange conflict and we don't know where it's going. So someone took that effort and did that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently two people. I mean, Arsenal, yeah, two people, yeah. yeah. Arsenal lost against West Bromwich away to 3-1. to one. And uh, it was really devastating to watch this Arsenal performance because it feels like we're always kind of saying, I've never seen Arsenal play this bad, I haven't seen Arsenal this bad, and we keep going. But this time, man, I haven't seen Arsenal play this bad in a long time. And we'll see that, probably say that again soon. I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, yeah, they played real poor, real poor. No fight, no passion. What we've been saying for a while now. A while. I mean, I remember around New Year's Eve, we had an episode and we talked about this, about manager, the situation. And what we basically agreed on, we need to have a new manager, a manager that motivates the players, a manager that is more active on the sideline when things goes wrong. Or even when it goes well, we want to see some emotions, mm. some passion from the manager. And Arsene Wenger is been targeting a lot. He's been targeted by fans all around the world. Mm. He's a very, very hard situation. Will he extend his contract? Will he come out soon and say, no, I'm not going to extend my contract? What is happening, man? What is happening? I don't know. I mean, after this game, the post-match, he came out and said that he has made a decision, that, or a decision has been made, uh, although he wouldn't tell any of the journalists. <laughs> he said, uh, a decision's been made, my decision's been made, and I'll let everybody know soon. Yeah. Uh, I think he's not going to extend it because it's been going for too long that we haven't challenged really hard on, you know, the title for Premier League or Champions League and it being big contenders in it. You think he's kind of coming to his senses that it's time for him. He can't do it anymore. It's time for him to step down. Not only him, but us too, us fans. The unique situation that we're really talking about is there's such a big disagreement and uh, also yeah between the fans between right? the fans amongst the fans itself yeah should he go should he not go why all the things that he has done for the club but there's a big there's a big unhappiness about the performance Arsenal is doing and it's very natural that Arsene Wenger is becoming a target right but the fans voices has been heard a lot since Arsenal fan TV and other people on social media mm -hmm. it's hard on Wenger that is not making it easier for the players. I think they feel the pressure a lot now from the fans to really give quality performance. Which is understandable because, I mean, I bet they even put pressure on themselves in some regard. At least they should. They realize they haven't been playing well. You can't look at 10-2 to 2 over two legs over Bayern Munich and be, you know what, I think it's not that big of a deal, right? We're okay. Right. You have to, after you look at that score, you have to, you know, be, be upset with yourself uh but maybe you're right i mean there's a lot of news on it as you said fans are making their voice heard i've heard some people claim that not enough fans are making their voice heard yeah but i don't i don't know if that's true or not if it's not enough or or, or if it's a large amount but the fans that have been making their voices heard have been heard they I have been so heard. and they're being very adamant and being very resilient about making sure they know or the world knows that 
Benger should be out or they want Benger out. True, true. And that affects the players, obviously. Yeah. And uh, the players are a bit more... They don't show the same determination and confidence really anymore. And uh, one way to look at it is also the criticism the owners of the club has. Yeah. Like the lack of like vision somehow, you yeah. know. It, it doesn't come out a message clear enough or there's no clarity on what they really want to achieve with the club. If you look at Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, they always go out before the season and say, okay, we're going to for we're going to win Champions League or make to the final. We're going to win La Liga. But it's not the same belief in Arsenal Football Club right now. And it hasn't been that for a long time, it feels like. Yeah, I don't get that sense that they're really putting everything they have to going out and winning the Premier League or if not win the Champions League, at least get to like semifinals or something. Uh, they may be saying that on the surface, but really in the back of their minds, they're really saying, really, as long as we just get into the Champions League and yeah. get out of the group stage, then that's really okay. Then we're fine. But it's not enough for us fans. No. It's not enough for us fans that for years seeing clubs like Chelsea or even Man United or Man City kind of even come up from the ranks, right? That it's actually winning titles or challenging in a really good way. I mean, I think Arsenal has the worst points if compared to the big six. The season? Yeah, I think so. I believe they do, yeah. Liverpool is the most, but Arsenal are, they haven't competed at all with the, with their main rivals. Right. I mean, I would just want you to watch these goals from the from this weekend that West Brom scored against Arsenal. It was two set pieces, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, uh, even before seeing the goals, I haven't, I think I saw one goal earlier, but... Uh, thing is, I know for sure that before the game, Wenger said that this is uh, a Tony Pulis coach tied. And what we know from Tony Pulis' sides is that it's going to be very organized and strong defensively and uh, strong physically. And they're going to find a way to get a set piece, a corner kick or a free kick somewhere. Yeah. And then... and. They'll capitalize on the chances there. That's what we know from Tony Pulis. No, we That's know what Arsene that. Wenger said. Yes. Yeah, even so, like yeah. you said, two goals off of set pieces. It, it, was, seems... it was the same against Liverpool. We knew what kind of play Liverpool would play against Arsenal, what they would do, how we could build for this game. But yet, Arsenal did not do it. Yeah. And the, the thing that me and you have been discussing is... Are they not doing their homework? Are they not doing yeah. the study? Are they not building for each game depending on that opponent? Right. Um, he said that we are working on our on the same formation and such. But, you know, tactically or the idea of the game plan is really not there, you know? Right, right. Well, I'm excited to see these goals. Okay. Uh, like I said, I, I think I only saw one. Uh, but... Okay, this is this is the first corner. Okay, McLean is gonna take this corner, right? Look at this. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's who scored? Dawson. It's Craig Dawson, big guy. I mean, no one, how can no one pick him up? Nobody picks him up. He, um, look at that. I get. I sound so weird, but I mean, Ramsey just lets See? him go. See, look, look, look. I take it back a bit here. Look. Where he comes from, where he runs. He comes he's from like the top of the box. Top of the box. And he's one of the tallest players. Yeah. And no I mean, one you, picks him up. It's impossible to not see him. <laughs> right. 
Ramsey just lets him go right by him, right by him without even making a movement towards him, and he has all this momentum to tower over Koscielny. You know, and and it just shows that there's no one in that team that actually directs the charge, like, oh, pick him up or do that, or any any type of, like, command on the pitch. Yeah. You know? And the first goal for Arsenal was Alexis Sanchez. Beautiful goal, and at this point it's 1-1. Mm-hmm. I mean, this will have to, in our world, give some momentum or some type of energy to the players. Yeah. You know, yeah. now we're in the game again. Right. But it wasn't that effect that it actually had, was it? No, no. I mean, normally once you get a goal that re-energizes you, you get this momentum, uh, it's time for Arsenal to, or they they think now it's time for us to really stamp our authority onto the game. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, like you said, it didn't happen. <laughs> I want to show you the second goal that West Brom did. Look. Oh, the Clayton running through. He's onside. Uh, who's that? Ospina. I'd say that's on the goalkeeper mostly. He should have grabbed it. Uh, it wasn't a player on offside. He just completely misses it. First, he doesn't. He's not able to control it in the first place once right. he runs onto it. And then once it falls to his feet and drops in Canu's feet, Canu just beats him to it. And Canu just got into the game. He was sub, sub, subbed in mm. and had a big effect to it. But what my problem, Kerry, is the reaction. There's mm. no reaction. There's no man reaction to it. You know? We talked about uh, the goalie we had at Adelsburg. He would be so mad. You know, he would be upset. But when you look at this goal, there's no Arsenal player that really kind of shows that reaction that you want to, you know, you're mad, you're yeah. upset, you yeah. know? Yeah, and instead, I mean, you saw Spina looking at the linesman, trying right. to say, his hands up, trying to say it was offside when it wasn't. Yeah. And not looking at the fact that he he did a little blunder there. He right. should have grabbed it, but he couldn't. And the rest of the Arsenal players were like kind of holding their arms out, like, oh, yeah. man. Kind of. Okay, this is the third goal. Surprise, surprise, it's a corner kick. Corner kick again. <laughs> okay, so look at this position, right? You, you you see Chamberlain has this number 25 here. And you see also uh, R- Ramsey. That's like a carbon copy. Dawson again. Yeah. Carbon copy of the first one. Uh, he just runs from starts his run around the top of the box. People just let him go. There's no responsibilities. Uh, no one's taking responsibility to grab the big guy, the guy that's already scored. Yeah. Uh, off of a corner kick in the game. No one's taking that responsibility. Uh, what I'm really upset with is that, like we said, Wenger knew. He said, this is what West Brom were going to do. This yeah. is how they were going to play yeah. the game. So they must have worked on it. I think, they, I think he even said maybe that this is what we worked on, defending set pieces. Yet... Either he just got the got despite saying he knew how West Brom were gonna attack the ball and play with the pieces, he was still completely wrong, or they worked on this stuff, but the players didn't act on it at all. Which leads me to believe that they don't believe in what Wenger is saying. Exactly. They're exactly they're, you have yeah. a point. You have a point. The communication or the trust between coach and the team is not really there, you know? Uh, but look at this again. Free. I mean, free header, yeah. Free. Almost yeah. free players in a corner kick 
can score. They all go to the <laughs> ball, and all, all three of them could actually score. Where is this Arsenal team? No one's even there to challenge. Sometimes what I think, whenever I think, or one thing that I was coached, yeah, was on a corner kick, it's always jump. Always jump. Yeah. Even if you're right by the player that you're marking that's about to hit the ball, definitely then jump to put him off. But even if you're not, even, I could be five feet away from him and him not be my man, but it's good to jump just so, I mean, all this movement and action going around could put yeah. him off. But people make are it harder to just stand, exactly, make it harder. Yeah. But they're just standing there or just watching and no one's putting him off at all. And I think you really touched it, man. I really think you touched it. To be honest, it doesn't look like the players are believing in the coach, but this is bigger than that. They are playing for Arsenal FC, mm. Arsenal Football Club you know and we have to demand more of the players and the performance the lack of uh, uh, motivation or will or winning mentality is not there the trust or wanting it we don't see it and the one player that has shown it so often this season is Alexis Sanchez as soon as he shows his disappointment mm. We are very fast to say that he's not happy at the club. He's yeah. unpleasant. But this is what top players do. Mm. Ibrahimovic does this all the time. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Time, right? I mean, you just name it. They all look at each other and try to not... It's not about being bully. It's just about being better. It's better. Yeah. And this Arsenal team right now is very, very far from what we want and what we wish and soft 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 so wake me up when it's all over when I'm wiser and I'm older all this time I was finding myself in love didn't know I was lost so wake me up when it's all over Welcome back to Our Scotch and King Soccer Podcast Show. This is our 10th episode since we started and we're having a really good time. But one of, the, one, of the, one of the main things that we are trying to do is also have a real talk and tell the truth and be honest about our opinions and what we see and our experiences. We're here to bring our own, our own opinions, our own thoughts. And we're here for you guys to yeah. bring you a real, a real perspective on soccer. Not just soccer, but also the impact it has on life. Exactly. And, uh, and fans and, and the players in general. We have great plans ahead of us and ideas that we will keep going. And if you want to reach out to us, you can go ahead and send us an email to oscarchandking at gmail.com. King at gmail.com you can go to our website at uh yes and also follow us on social media yeah facebook twitter 
uh, Instagram at uh, King. Yeah, we have more and more listeners and we're getting really good feedback because we are really showing Sartre in a new perspective and new ways. We have guests and we're really doing this for you. One part, one part in our podcast, we go to your trip to talk about the latest news, updates, and scores from Europe. And that's what we got to do right now. And let's go straight to Premier League. It was Manchester City playing Liverpool. Yeah, biggest game of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Etihad. And uh, it was a game full of excitement. Man. It was? Full I missed that excitement. game, man. I missed oh, that. Man. It was a good game. It was full of excitement. It's what you expect from two teams that aren't too great defensively. Yeah. But put so much emphasis on attacking play and high pressure and uh, playing with the ball at their feet. Sounds uh, like a fun game to watch. Oh, it was. It was. I was with... Uh, I just played a game myself. Yeah. Uh, with my club in ADSL. And we all went... We all went out to uh, celebrate uh, our first team winning the league. Okay, congrats. Uh, uh, so we all went out to celebrate and uh, watch the game on a big screen. And it was so fun. Everyone all watching all the misses. There were so many chances. Really? So many chances. It ended up being 1-1. Okay. Okay. Uh, Aguero scoring and James Milner scoring a penalty for, Ooh, for James Liverpool. Milner. Uh, yeah, good for him, right? For his old club. Yeah, it was up against his old yeah. club. I didn't even think of that. Uh, but there are so many, so many chances. Aguero missed chances, pretty easy chances. Uh, De Bruyne hit the hit the bar. Adam Lallana missed an open goal. No he way. completely He completely whiffed on the ball. Oh my god! Uh, man, watching it was so fun with everyone. How was the game? Between Sané versus Coutinho, if you can make a quick analysis like that. Uh, well, Sané played pretty well, pretty well. Um, Sané played uh pretty well. He was definitely a you know constant thorn in Manchester City side, doing what you'd expect, running yeah. out defenders. Um, uh, Coutinho rather uh played pretty well, I'd say as well. He hasn't played well since the start of the year. His injury, his injury exactly. Um. But I think he did pretty well this game. It was a good game for him mm-hmm. because it was back and forth. Uh, a lot of open spaces, right? right. Mr. City gave him a lot of open spaces. That fits him well. Perfectly. Perfectly. He just found these pockets of, air, of space to to really you know do some damage in. One, one is good score for the rest of the top six clubs that are chasing for those important four top four positions to make it to Champions League. Mm. Chelsea is still going strong. Yeah. Who did they play this weekend? They played Stoke City away, which isn't tough. He's right? not. He's in the eyes, you know. And uh, won 2-1. to one. Good, good, good convincing win. Or solid win. Keep in mind, they're not playing Champions League or Europa League this year. So, they have more time to prepare rest and, and rest, prepare. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, it's not an excuse for the other clubs. But it is an advantage that we don't really know that much about because they, the players are getting very, very tired. That's something Mourinho has been nagging about, dude. Yeah. He's been talking about that a lot. This entire press conference after the game this weekend against Middlesbrough, he was talking about that how his team is not getting right rest. Mm. They played Rostov home on Thursday and on Sunday morning, well, on Sunday, 12 p.m., they played another game. And, you know, you have to travel. Yeah. You have to wake up early. And the players don't really get that rest. I mean, I guess he has a, a point there. 
and other leagues do it like for once a club plays midweek for whichever reason whether it be Europe or just midweek games then if they play on a Thursday then they won't play until like Monday yeah. right yeah uh, they occasionally play on Monday like that and that happens in other leagues that doesn't happen quite as often in the Premier League but that shouldn't be an excuse because it happens to a lot of teams and Mourinho should know that yeah. you know experienced Premier League manager yeah. so it shouldn't be much much you know he should know how to prepare for that sort of thing I think still he has a point he wants that change for every club that yeah is be suffered nice. by that you know be nice, yeah. and he's been definitely speaker about that they won three to one good win needed win they didn't have all their star players and that's Ibrahimovic Mitterra and Paul Pogba still they won which is really good for them what other games did we have we had Everton right we had Everton convincing with a home four nothing uh, at Goodison Park Lukaku two goals and assists nice uh, I think he's a good player man he is, he is man. Quite, you think he should move up to I think so a better club Arsenal you think so you know I mean he's been playing for already big clubs you know yeah, Chelsea Chelsea yeah. and uh, he has the experience he has definitely the potential to even be better and produce more goals in a better team yeah. he's yeah. done really good at Everton he's one of the top goal scorers in the league yeah I don't know personally if he's the kind of player that will lead you to a title I think he's kind of like Giroud right he'll get a good amount of goals a season he's a good striker yeah I don't know if he's the guy that you would rely on personally but he's been in Premier League for a long time now and he's, he's still young too. He's still young. still young he knows the league and he knows what is expected from a big club someone that is similar to him in one way, but also does really good job. Is Harry Kane? Did yeah. he play this weekend? He did not. Still with a big injury. Yeah, a uh, big leg injury that he suffered. Uh, I think last week, I believe. Okay. Uh, but Tottenham didn't need him. Convincing win at home over Southampton, three to one. Christian Eriksen really came to the fore. He did, man. Yeah, he had a great performance. Uh, Deli Ali also scored a, a penalty, and. Uh, Song, Son, man. Hyung Min Son, South Korean, right? He's so he's really impressed me this season. Yeah. I, no one expected it. Wow. He came uh, from like nowhere. Do you know where he came from? I can't even remember. I can't remember either. Did he come from like Germany? I think so. Maybe, Germany? yeah. Leverkusen. Leverkusen? But uh, he's played really, he's really good on the ball and he just yeah. fits in perfectly with yeah. Argentino's side and with Ericsson and Kane around him. Uh, and he scored a good amount of goals this season too. Important goals. Yeah. Important yeah. goals. Quick to... Spain, Real Madrid, Real Madrid, uh, the real big winners, uh, with a tough away win at Athletic Bilbao. Man, that's and not easy. That's, that's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. You know, especially Bilbao, they really get up for these games against Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah, and uh, they didn't play particularly well, Real, but they. I mean, who cares? They won two to one away at a tough venue with uh, Benzema playing really well. Ronaldo also had uh, two assists. Some of the headline news, I guess, was that Ronaldo got substituted in this game. Okay. Uh, which doesn't happen too often. Mm-mm. But And as he got substituted, as he walked off, he was clearly upset, <laughs> clearly frustrated. Allegedly, he swore, kind of swore at Zidane a little oh, bit. You know, yeah. But uh, I don't think that's too big. Do you think it's something that we should look into? Maybe not yet. Mm. You know? Well, it definitely could be something that comes out of it. Zidane is someone that's definitely working with how to 
manage Ronaldo. Yeah, and I think he's doing a fine job. You know, Madrid have a lot of games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Right. So it's good to get these players rest. Ronaldo has had injuries because of lack of rest before. So I think Ronaldo's case is more like he's one. He wants to be in the game and yeah. score goals and get yeah. the stats up more. Yeah. You know, it's very important for him. That's what drives him a lot. Absolutely. Um, Big rivalry team is obviously Barcelona, and mm-hmm. they won this weekend as well. Yeah, and uh, home to Valencia. Yeah, and Valencia has been a team that gives and takes. Sometimes yeah. they really do good, sometimes not that well. But beat Barcelona away, I don't think this Valencia team has the capability to do. Nah, nah, and they didn't. <laughs> they so, didn't. Uh, one of their players, Munir. Barcelona loaned from Barcelona, well, the young one, yeah, the young, young one, one right? Yeah. Promising young young player, and he actually scored. Of course, he didn't celebrate, but uh, he looks very interesting talent, man. He's definitely one of those like I don't know, could be maybe Boyan Cricket or Dos Santos, yeah. but he can't. He's still like young, yeah. coming up from the La Masia Academy right. to the team, and this year obviously he's at Valencia getting more playing time. Right. Good concept. They could really turn off to be something really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's important for Barcelona is during this game is that all three of their you know, front three players played well. Suarez with uh, with a goal, Messi with two goals, uh, Neymar mm-hmm. with another really good performance after they missed him last weekend once yeah. they lost. Uh, but that's really important. With Barcelona, they got Juventus coming up in the Champions League, right? Right. Which will be cracking games. But they need, I think they need, because I have, personally, I have Juventus as favorites in that. You do? So, yeah, I do. So, hmm. I think Barcelona needs to have all three of them firing on all cylinders. Yeah, they definitely need that. Which they haven't, hasn't happened consistently enough this year. I tried carrying the weight of the world, but I only have two hands. Hope I get the chance to travel the world. But I don't have any plans Wish that I could stay forever this young Not afraid to close my eyes Life's a game made for everyone And love is the prize Yes, Kerry, yes, 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 yes Champions League <laughs> is coming to it's end, not real. I mean, the real business end, you could say. Yeah, yeah. And this is the really excitement part of Champions League: the quarterfinals, semifinals, and obviously the really big deal, the final, right? Yeah, man. And uh, there are eight teams left in the quarterfinals, which makes this really exciting now. Yeah. The top teams. Yeah. We have uh, some really good matchups too. I don't think there's any bad matchup that's mm-hmm. left you've got i already mentioned uh juventus against barcelona yes we've also got real madrid against bayern munich man Oof. that's gonna be insane yes and you've got <laughs> uh, you've got uh borussia dortmund against monaco which isn't as you know as glamorous as real Bar- as bayern but uh i think should be just as just as insane and little Leicester city still in it against atletico madrid two-time finalists right in the last yes. couple of years yes and uh, just look at this, some of these players, man. Like, uh, for instance, Ramos, yeah. Sergio Ramos, came at a very early age to Real Madrid from, from Sevilla for record signing for a young teenager at that time. 
he has played 356 league games for Real Madrid. He is the captain and he is the general in the back. He has such a vast experience with the national team yeah. and he's going from the ranks of you know U17 or even earlier from the Spanish national team all the way up where he is today. I mean we've seen him time and time again. We've mentioned before come through and you know come up real clutch for Madrid, right, right? In, in recent years. And they have what? They have other players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Benzema. They've been in the cup for a long time. They are real champions. They yeah. know what it takes to be champions. Yeah. Also coached by Zinedine Zidane. I mean look at Perfect. someone else like Buffon. Buffon has 167 national caps. <laughs> you know, like he's 39 years old. He's been winning World Cup. He's been in the finals. He's been, you know, the main captain, the longest captain in the national team for Italy. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he's still going. He's still their number one choice. Still yeah. their number one choice. And it's not discredit Italy because he's still phenomenal. He's still just as good as he was I mean, 10 years ago. I mean, the players that comes up or in that team are having a huge respect for Buffon. Right. You know, he's been at the club a long time. But they also have players like Bonucci or Kedira. Yeah. You know, they have some... Chiellini. Chiellini. Too. And yeah. they have Daniel Alves. That, he's too. He added so much uh, experience and, you know, the winning mentality when yeah. he joined the club. I mean, what do we have on Bayern Munich? Oh, Bayern Munich is probably a team littered with these sort of players. Captain, start with him. Philip yeah. Lahm. Yeah. He's going to retire at the end of the season, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, Philip Lahm, who's World Cup winner, World Cup winner, uh, Champions League winner, played countless games for Bayern, and he's alongside the likes of fellow German internationals like Jerome Boateng and uh, Mats Hummels, who was captain at Borussia Dortmund before he joined, and Manuel Neuer, exactly Neuer too, right? Lewandowski yeah. moving further up the field. Yeah, I mean, what are great players you're talking about? Dude? Yeah, and uh, one more I'm throwing is Arturo Vidal. Yeah, that sort of fiery Ooh. guy, right? Fiery, fiery guy in the middle that uh, demands the best, right? They're also a good mix with young talents in the team. Yeah. Costa, yeah. Sanchez, Thiago. Thiago, really. And on top of that, Carlo Ancelotti that has shown in different teams, different leagues, winning the league or Champions, Champions League. I, think we've, I believe he's the most successful Champions League manager. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can believe that. I think he is. He yeah. is. And... Uh, what else, man? Atletico Madrid. They've been in the final for the past, you know, twice. twice. Three years, I think. Exactly. And well, Gabi, Mr. Atletico Madrid, right? He's the captain. The captain. And uh, he's alongside the likes of Thiago. Oh, yeah. Who's still getting up there in age, but he's still, you see, he's plays a major role in the team, in the locker room, right? Yeah. I remember he went to Chelsea early 2000s, yeah. you know, so he... Is you know he should be categorized as a good player too, and Fernando Torres, right. you know Griezmann is like one really good player mm. and one with such an amazing career. It's really f- making this team complete, you know. Yeah. With the keeper Oblak that makes great saves and seems to keep developing all this time. Diego Godin and I love Atletico. Godin, man, uh, you gotta defense, mention Godin. Godin is probably my favorite defender right, right now in the world, and he's his you know primary partner. I think is uh, Jimenez. Jimenez, fellow Uruguayan with okay. the national team, young up and comer, 
works with Godin at Atletico, looks up to him at Atletico, also looks up to him at Uruguay national team. And that's that perfect mix of wow experience yeah. and uh, youth, right? You're right. Perfect match. Perfect right. match. I mean, very similar to uh, Dortmund that is also in the quarterfinals. You have Schmelze that has been in the club since 2008. That is like now nine years. Yeah. You know? And we know this group has basically more or less grown up together from the ranks of the youth teams and mm. national teams. Surely, uh, Royce. Yeah, Götze. So it's a, it's a very compact team with good friendship. You have striker in Aubameyang and you have very, very experienced Wittenfeller in the squad yeah. that is yeah. probably acting like a father figure yeah, or really. friend. Absolutely. You know? And uh, in addition to that, Peace checks. So I think it's very similar to Schmelzer playing on the right side of the fence. If Schmelzer can't be captain, then Peace check uh, steps up as the captain of the team. And you have these fresh airs and wins that you can say, you know, like mm-hmm. in, in the talent section, Pulisic. Yeah. You have Emre Moore. You yeah. have Ob- Dembele. Uh, Dembele, sorry. So it's a good mix there too. And let's. What I see with all these teams is like they have. What all these teams have in common, man, is that they have informal leaders, you know? What is the definition of informal leadership? Kerry, can you please read it for us? I will say, or I will read, informal leadership is the ability of a person to influence the behavior of others by means other than formal authority conferred by the organization through its rules and procedures. Mm -hmm. So that's like, you know... Schmelzer maybe given the captain's armband, yeah, but he'd be the formal leader. But he's got Peace Check and uh, uh, Royce and Weidenfeller that may not wear the armband as much as him, but are seen as as leaders as well, just as much big leaders as well. Right, some someone in the team or organization that you still respect, you listen to, and right. you take advice from, and. Uh, it's basically any type of leadership that is not based upon a formal authority. So it's still a leader, yeah, but just don't have that title. Right. So I want us to kind of look into big squads from the past in Premier League that has both great captains and also amazing informal leaders. People just full of leaders. Yes. So if we can go back to... Let's do Chelsea. Let's do Chelsea. Okay. The times when they made to the Champions League, you know, they lost against Manchester United, but they also won against uh, Bayern Munich. That era of Chelsea, you know, because they were the top team in Europe then. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of strange to say, right? Uh, but they they were a top they team were. in Europe. Uh, who do they have? They had John Terry as John captain. Terry. Uh, who else do they have? They have Frank Lampard. Mm-hmm. They have Petr Cech in goal. Uh, they have Didier Drogba. Yes. Had, what's awesome is they had someone on all four, all four. four fronts, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All four areas yeah. of the pitch. They had a real leader that you could trust. And what they have done in soccer and, you know, the honors they won and awards just speaks for itself. Terry, the captain even on the national team, uh... Drogba was that too. Yeah. I'm sure Pejacek was that as well. And they all had this demand or leadership role that they actually giving to the youth in the team. 
right? Right. Next club, Manchester United. When okay. they were good, they were really good. <laughs> you know that when they lost against Barcelona, but they also won against uh, Chelsea. Chelsea. That era of Manchester United was really, really good, man. Was weren't they? They were unstoppable. Yeah, for for the most part. I mean, that whole Vidic and Ferdinand oh partnership God. was. The best in the Premier League ever, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's the main major captain? Main captain. The right? main captain was formal leader. Vidic was it? Vidic was main captain. But you also had like captain figures as in Paul Scholes and Ryan Giggs in that right. team. You, yeah. you know they they could wear it as well. Yeah. You know after them it became Wayne Rooney, right? But still you have Wayne Rooney in that team. And what a combo of players, you know? Yeah, players that have been through it all, done it all, and knew what it took yeah. to win. Knew what it took to be successful. Knew that extra somehow, right? Knew that yeah. big extra, like also the hunger in players like Nani or Ronaldo. The list is long in, in the combination of the group, hmm. right? And... Wow, man, they had an amazing team, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, this is what they had. I mean, to top it all off, they had Sir Alex Ferguson as their head coach, oh as their God. manager. Uh, no, probably the best manager in the history of football right. as their as their leader. I mean, he also did whatever was the best for the team. Sometimes yeah. you have to take hard decisions. Yeah. But we there are players that actually confronted him actually tried to challenge him in one way or another and he made the decisions to go with others and kind of sell these players you know because i'm talking about beckham uh yeah i was thinking of beckham did what was one of them and wayne rooney at the time was upset right upset too. and uh, confronted him like well what this, i'm sorry but the deal with rooney was like i don't know where this club is going is it still a uh, contender for the title uh, might change the club and he got a new contract that was more or less the case mm. right uh, just the very few but one of the best captains maybe in Premier League was Roy Keane ah yes yeah how would you describe Roy Keane as a captain or even as a player right scary Scary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, man, there's no more intense player, man. No one more, no one that would demand more out of you, out of your teammates. Demand more out of referees, right? To call, call the game right, you know? Always, whenever I imagine Roy Keane, I always imagine him as angry and shouting. Uh, but, I mean, he was with Manchester United for so long. So long, 12 years. Yeah, that's 12 right. and a half, to be more correct, actually. And... He being in the middle of a lot of controversy, oh, yeah. like he was very yeah. outspoken, he oh, was yeah. very direct with what he wanted and oh, yeah. his messages, but he also demanded so much from other players. And the core in it was the winning mentality. Mm. Winning mentality and Manchester United as a soccer club. It was the core. They go like together, together. Right? They should go together. Should like together, that. and every player in that club should work around these two core beliefs that makes a winning concept. Players like Phil Neville, players mm. like Ruud van Nistelrooy, players like Beckham, Scholes, Giggs, 
they all kind of came from this school, you know? I mean, let's hear Roy Keane's top 11 squad for Manchester United. Okay, this is my all-time United 11, the players I've played with. Uh, Schmeichel, by far the best keeper. Believe it or not, we actually didn't get on that well together. Uh, <laughs> might be surprised they're here. No, but I'm not impressed at all to this. An absolute top, top goalkeeper. Dennis Irwin, good at set pieces, could defend, train properly, good lad, and he's an Irishman, which always helps. But Pallister for his size, even after two minutes of a game, he looked like he'd been playing for an hour. Always looked tired. Yap, top centre-half. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, tough guy. You've obviously had a few run-ins with him. Yeah. Paul Parker again. I played with Parks in his prime. Top, top defender. I was expecting to see Gary yeah. Neville over there on, yeah, the right on, on the right-hand side. Gary would be a little bit lucky, but yeah. he'd be on the bench. I played with Inti again in his prime, and people tend to forget how good Inti was. Ronaldo again, a young player when he came to United. Great attitude. Scores your goal for fun. I found it very hard to leave Bexo because of his work rate, the amount of goals he gets, his assists. His set play delivery. If I was going to leave anybody, it would probably be myself for probably Scolzi. In terms of the finishers, Rude was the guy for that. He can score goals, yeah. Absolutely. When I saw him go through one one on one with the goalkeeper, I just knew it was a goal. And Eric, big character again when he came to United. United have threatened to win the league for many, many years. They'd obviously won a few cups, and Eric was just that difference. If you're going into battle against Arsenal, then you want people like Eric in your team. This team. I felt they were all very good characters because this team could it's play. Strong, yeah. yeah, could play when teams wanted to play, and if teams wanted to fight us, they'd you. fight with the best of them. Patrick, which player that Roy hasn't selected would you have selected? Scores, no doubt about it. I think Scores was uh, for me the best English player and one of the best United players that I played against. He can do everything. Roy, can we change it? <laughs> the most decorated player in Manchester United's history is not in that team. Having a great career doesn't mean you're a great player. I think there's a big difference, and I'm not saying Giggs he wasn't. Do I leave Ronaldo out? One of the world's greatest players? Do I leave Bex out? I just couldn't feel like I could leave Bex out. There is one common denominator some fans might see to some of the selections. Stan, Beckham, you know, you don't win league titles by having choir boys in your dressing room. And all these boys did challenge the manager in different ways. Bex challenged them, but because of, if, you, if you marry a certain woman, does that mean you're challenging the manager? Far from it. I think the manager's got to understand that and say, listen, we've got different personalities in our dressing room, but maybe that's why we're winning trophies. It's tough to make a decision, by the way. It's really tough to make a decision. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's why I'm not a manager. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can't talk about Roy Keane without bringing up his arch enemy. Oh. You know who that is? Oh my God! Absolutely. How Patrick can I not know? Vieira. Patrick Vieira. Uh, Mr. Arsenal, and some to some people, Captain yeah. Arsenal. Captain Arsenal for a long time too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How many? I mean, head-to-head -head clashes did they go through? And uh, I mean, you remember the big iconic one was time was it before in 2005 i think okay uh before a game at old trafford i believe yeah uh where you know during the tunnel the teams are lined up during the tunnel and there's the classic uh confrontation big confrontation that Vieira and roy Keane had uh right on the lead up to this game he was uh he roy Keane was like shouting at him i'm gonna show you 
on the field, we're gonna take it out there, it's gonna happen, and like kind of shouting like that, cussing a bit, and really pointing his finger and upset. And Graham Paul, the referee, had to say, calm down, calm down. And uh, right before this game, know, the game didn't even start yet. The, right? The, right before the game, is really that much tension, and it just shows the passion in someone like Roy Keane, but also in Patrick Vieira that he protects his own players. That was oh, yeah. the cause of it. Oh yeah, he want to protect what happened to Reyes in the previous game. Oh, yeah. You know, and I mean, with all the players are lined up, right? So. How inspiring must it be for all their teammates to yeah. see these two captains yeah. going at it and really, you know, representing and protecting, like you said, their themselves. Something I noticed, and I think a lot of people have can see it too if they go on YouTube and look at this video, is once they're gonna say hi to each other and shake hands, you know, mm -hmm. at the beginning, Vera, or is more like Roy Keane, is not shaking Vera's hand. Yeah. And Rio Ferdinand doesn't do it, okay? And you can see how Gary Neville takes his hand and just holds it really hard, like really hard, squeezes his hand and then <laughs> stare at him. And then you keep, keep seeing how other players like Skulls and Giggs are staring him down as he goes through. That's... That's... That's the derby. That's the that rivalry. Is, yeah. That's how much it means, man. And that's what Roy Keane inspired out of all those United players. Yeah. Yeah. And now, man, we have to come to our lovely club, our beautiful club, from the, maybe even from times of Highbury, the memories, the good old Tony Adams. Uh, Tony Adams. That's Mr. Arsenal. That's Mr. That's Mr. Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. Over like 500 games for Arsenal. 500 mm. games. And what a leader, man. Like, we have been talking about the passion and the... And the winning mentality. But Tony Adams, he really was a front figure for what Arsenal yeah. Club stands for. Yeah, he's like the face of Arsenal, right? Uh, captain for so long. Uh, was there once they you know, won that dramatic final at Anfield in yeah. like 1989, going back there. Once they won at uh, uh, in 98, mm -hmm. at, I think at Old Trafford. Um, and I remember was it 2002 I believe uh, 
when they won the title and they played that home game at, against Everton. Okay. And uh, he's yeah. dominating performance by Arsenal, and he scored the clinching goal. Oof. He scored the sorry, not the clinching, but the capping goal. Yeah. The four zero goal, I believe, and just the celebration is so fitting for the captain. I believe it was like the last game of the season or so, or maybe it's the, the game that that clinched the title. But how fitting was it that? Tony Adams, the captain, <laughs> scored that last goal, and then how he just raised his oh, hand, just looked man. at it. Just... He he was a leader in that group, and yeah. the players that was playing at that time was Patrick Vieira, that took the captain armband from Tony, right? And you had players like Burkamp. Oh, yeah. How would you describe Burkamp? I mean, elegant. Yeah, I was about to say silky, silky smooth, smooth operator, flexible. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, tricky, right? Smart. He had a real football brain. Quiet leader. Yeah. You yeah. know, a f- almost looked like a friend, supported it, you know, and really was a key player as well in this team. And you had Thierry Henry, that today we have a statue after him right. outside stadium. He took the armband from Vieira. He did. And I mean, this is a, it's just a long line of captains, right? All playing together in the same team. I mean, all these players have such an amazing love for the club and they're still a big fans of the club. Right. I mean, they were showing so much um, true passion for the cause, for the vision, what this club is and wants to become. The ambition was really there, right. wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And they went out there and they matched that ambition with their on-field success. I mean, their multiple titles, right? Um, and all the victories they had against Manchester United and you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, especially United, right? With yeah. The tough, tough head-to-head games. They, those were what. What what exciting times those were in that derby. I mean, Days were those in that derby. I mean, you had also, touching on informal leaders, right? You also had players like uh, Freddie Jungberg. Yeah. You had players like Robert Perez. Right. You had players like Gilberto Silva. You know? Saul Campbell. Exactly, Saul yeah. Campbell. And uh, you also had... Jens Lehmann, German mad dog. I mean, German, I mean, as a keeper, but he was also a furious keeper, right? He could be mad very easy on the defenders. His easy, simple goals, he would scream. Uh, the post-match, uh, you know, analysis from this uh, past weekend against yeah. West Brom, Let's. I heard that uh, Henri said something about Lehmann and how he would react okay. as defenders been, you know, as poor as they were this weekend. Oh, man, I want to listen to that. All right defensive linchpin and pick him up. I mean, imagine Tony Adams or someone like that. He, I mean, what he must be Listen, thinking. Theo, people like that, watching that. I, that was I, shambolic. I actually played with one of the most, I mean, he was mad. Jens Lehmann was mad. He was mad, yeah, he was mad. <laughs> and I wouldn't have liked to go back in the dressing room after after that if, if Jens Lehmann was a player at Arsenal Football Club because first and foremost, I think something bad would have happened in the dressing room because of how we played and how, how you know, they, they considered the goal or we would have considered the goal. But Jens Lehmann, and I made mistakes. I, I said it again. I made, we did, everybody. But that one, I've never seen that one before. But Jens would have come to me and I think he would have do something or punch my head or do something or do something. He would have done something. He would have got sent off. Yeah. Uh, he did it before. But what I'm saying to you is I didn't see any reaction, any any nothing. No, you know, no it's, it's just normal. 
This is what we do at Our Scotch and King Soccer Podcast Show. We have two very core beliefs in this podcast that we try to resonate with you guys that we see as friends. We try to be authentic and real with what we do and what we say. And now we're going to give you the truth. The truth in today's Arsenal team. Look at the players that we have, Kerry. Okay, let's see. Where to start? We can have we got Shelney, we've got Ramsey, Ramsey, we've got uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, Walker, been there Walcott. for a long time, uh, and have new major additions in Mustafi and uh, Shaka, Granite Shaka. Right. So we have we have Koshini and Mustafi in the back. Mm. Doesn't really give me the confidence and security as defenders as Rio Ferdinand. Nemanja Vidic. Sure, sure. We have the captain in Koshini that clearly I don't think that would do something like even Jens Lehmann that wasn't the captain would do. Just be so mad in the halftime and kind of shout out or call out a player because of his um, disengagement or whatever that might be. But you see that in a top player that we have, which is Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, player that's won titles with Barcelona, right? Won titles with Chile. And so he's one of the top strikers in the world today, right? Arguably one of the best the best player in the Premier League, if you he, make that argument. Uh, he has a desire to win. He has. Words. He has a desire to win that it seems others are lacking. Lacking. He runs most. He finds most. He's most engaged. Yeah. And he shows that motivation. and was vocal. Vocal in that game. Who is Arsenal's Bergkamp? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I guess... We don't have any. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess not. <laughs> we don't have any, yeah. Who is think. Arsenal's Henri? Definitely. I mean, I'd say Sanchez. Sanchez. Yeah. We have one. Yeah. But who is the Vera? We don't really have nope. a Vera. That's what we've been clamoring for for the last several years. We've been waiting for a really top quality keeper. We have a pitcher chick, but he's still not in that, you know, the best prime of his years. Yeah. But it still seems a to me even hit. Like at Chelsea, I'd say he was the perfect yeah. player, uh, goalkeeper that we would have loved. But it seems now, maybe last season, not so much the case, but some, so much some more this season, uh, he's even he's falling into this mindset, this like almost trap, yeah. Uh, this that the Arsenal mindset has become that's just content and you know lack of motivation, lack of real desire to be the best of the best in England. And to see someone like Tony Adams or this character that he had, the personality, the attitude that he had, very similar to Roy Keane's and Terry's and Vidic and Vera's, it's maybe a dream. Maybe it's a dream that we've been hoping for, waiting for, wishing for, for such a long time. I mean, long time, man. Like, when was the last time Arsenal won the league? Uh, it'll be 2004, so what, like 13 years ago? 13 years ago when was the last time they came to the champions league final the only one they did 2006 yeah i mean when was the last time arsenal even got to the quarterfinals of the champions league you remember 2010 2010 that's seven years ago yeah yeah seven years ago man i didn't i didn't actually know that and um you know, players like Tony Adams, Vera, Henri, Bergkamp, Lehmann, you can, the list is long. They all f- seem to have a good communication dialogue with the coach, Arsene Wenger. And I don't see who 
takes up that role, who takes up that space in this locker room, in this communication with the coach. And how sad it might sound like this is the truth. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, uh, well, I want to say that Arsenal won't be a club like what Chelsea are still. Manchester United are on their way back to being, it looks like. Uh, what Liverpool and Manchester City have ambitions for. Arsenal won't be, what Tottenham has ambitions for. Ambitions for. Uh, Arsenal won't be on that level again like they were you know, 15 years ago uh, as things are now, if things stay as they are now. And uh, in fact, if Arsenal don't even you know, stay in that least top four solidarity like they have for so many years, uh, even that'll be taken away from them. That, that'll they'll, they'll become, sorry, they'll... Uh, They'll go into decline, yeah. and Arsenal may not be a real contender for 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 Premier League, for Champions League, for even FA Cup or anything. Because with success also comes great players, world-class players that yeah. actually want to come. Right. We have Ozil, but Ozil is also in between, in yeah. that level. And um, I remember when I went to San Francisco four or five years ago, and... Uh, it was a time in my life when I was a bit, I could say lost, indecisive, didn't know what to do, didn't know what the next step would be. But I was sitting at the Golden Gate Park and uh, listening to this song and a girl came from nowhere and just kind of, I didn't know where this girl came from. Like she came from nowhere, man. There was no parents around. She could top be eight, nine years old, right? She kind of came to the bench I was sitting and just kind of pushed me away and to look what was behind me and it was a quote and it was saying something similar to the truth will always hurt but once you recognize it then you make the decision and then you will set your life free to the progress you want and it seems like what it is that this past 10 years or 13 years of Arsenal that we've seen that we've been living in an illusion of a master team, a great team that will every year give us a trophy or success. Yeah. It's an illusion. What is illusion? I mean, it's something that's not real. It's not real on the surface, right? Uh, Arsenal were that 10, 15 years ago. But now, I mean, we have so many people that say, going into every season saying we're going to compete for the title because we're Arsenal, right? Because we're this huge, successful club, one of the biggest clubs yeah. in English history. Uh, but no, that, 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 just that name, Arsenal itself isn't going to bring titles. It's, it's the players and the personality and the mentality that, that will bring titles to the club. Uh, and without that, then any hopes for a top four is just an illusion. Or sorry, hopes for the title is just an illusion. And they have been doing a good job with feeding us with the messages and uh, hopes and dreams, you know. But it comes down to a point where it feels and seems like to us that Arsenal, in one way or another, have lost their identity within the club itself, the players and the manager. It's a very particular situation that hasn't happened a lot in the modern soccer that we remember. No, no, no. Really unique. That's why it's so fascinating, honestly. But it's so sad, too. 
But you know, it happens. It happens in life. It happens to us. It happened to me. And uh, this weekend, it was me, you, Ida, and Kaylee all together, really enjoying the day, really enjoying our time, really enjoying the moments, really celebrating life itself, really enjoy the company and the talk that we had. Mm. And uh, it comes to that point where we will celebrate. It will come to that point where we can cheer again. It will come to that point where we can enjoy again. And that's the dream that we have, right? That's the hopes that we have. And we will wake up. I feel like Arsenal fans are waking up. And will see that those dreams have become reality once again. What was once an illusion, what is now an illusion, will once again be the truth truth and and my friend if we don't open up our eyes we might forever be caught up in a dream or in that illusion yeah and uh, from us here we want to give you hope so when you listen to this song please dream about the arsenal that we want and that we will see because i'm sure the love that we have for this club will bring this club to a glory in Champions League. And then we will celebrate, Kerry, won't we? We will. We will. <laughs> we will have players like Vera, Andre, Burkamp. We will have a team that we really can stand behind and a coach that we believe in, right? Right, that we can be proud of. Proud of. And that represents what Arsenal has been in the past and should be going forward. And we believe that Arsenal Football Club will give this to our fans and this is what love is you stand in no matter what in the good and bad till death takes us apart <laughs> hey doa what's that mean that means goodbye in swedish oh hey doa kerry hey doa oz hey doa hey doa tack så mycket vi älskar er det är så jävla bra Thanks for listening once again to the show. Have a wonderful week. Hey, Doa. Hey, Doa. Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start